You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. I feel super energized for the show now, actually. Since we had our pre-show You didn't ta- feel chat. energized before. No, I was feeling very unenergized. And then basically we got, we got fired into, up. We got about, into Taylor. Uh, we talked about Game of Thrones. We got fired up. I am um, <laughs> super fired up. <laughs> I unfortunately um, am getting over like a sinus thing. So my energy levels are a little low just due to illness. Um, so apologies to Erica and all the rest. I probably don't sound how I normally sound. <laughs> It's sinus issues. That's the time of year. Uh, you know, all of my nurse friends say it's an old wives' tale that, like, damp weather makes you sick. But, like... They're liars. I, the damp weather has made me sick. Um, and not... That, that's not the only one. People have been... Say, who... I can't remember. Someone Someone was ad- adamant that, that chocolate can't uh, cause your face to break out. And that's a lie. Every yeah, single greasy, time... sweet food I or eat chocolate. I'm, I'm almost, look, like, kind of allergic to it. So anytime I eat it... My face breaks out. Well, there you go. So, so nurses and doctors yeah. don't know everything. No, and sometimes <laughs> those like old your mom myths or whatever, like they come what, from somewhere. Where you, what your mom is telling you is probably true. Probably. Put a sweater on. <laughs> like just put a sweater on. Put a sweater. Stop sweater eating on. chocolate. And yeah, put the chocolate down. <laughs> Mom was Take right. a shower. <laughs> go to bed. There you go. That's the, that's the key to life. Yeah. Um, we have a packed episode today because we have four movies to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about four movies um, uh, because we saw a couple. I guess I saw three of them. You but did you, see three. I saw one. One. And then you saw the other one earlier. Last week. Yeah, I last think week. I saw so it. we're going we're gonna to be talking about uh, a lot of movies. We're going to talk about High Life uh, this week, which is a movie playing at the screening room. Uh, Woman at War. Um, the Grizzlies, and what's the, what's the name of the Ted Bundy it's movie? It's so Ex- long. <laughs> it's like extremely evil, extremely wicked. Ex- okay, extremely wicked, strong, shockingly evil, and vile. It's what the the judge says to Ted Bundy when he like makes his ruling. So, quick note on that. I just want to say something very quickly. I don't think John Malkovich can act anymore. Oh, he did a horrible job. Wow. Was Owen Wilson agreeing yeah. with me? Yeah, John. This is the second movie in a row I've seen John Malkovich in. I'm just like, I don't think you can act anymore. It's it was weird casting because the this movie is based on real people, yeah. And the real judge is this like big old southern gentleman, and John Malkovich is kind of a scrawny. It's what they could get on the b- budget, probably. Well, they blew the it on Zac Efron. Yeah, they, they spent all their money on Zac Efron and then went, okay, now what do we do? And um, what's his name? Uh, the um, Oh, uh... Sheldon. Uh, yeah, Jim Parsons. He also wasn't good. I kind of liked him. I he did... was a very small role, though. I mean, not not as big as I had expected. He's not. He doesn't say much or do much. He's just a prosecutor. I Just because when you watch the real footage from the yeah, court case, yeah. they're like very southern yes you know and that 
kind of that Florida drawl. So I didn't feel... And I only just started watching the Ted Bundy tapes. Okay. Because my Netflix, after the movie ended, automatically started playing <laughs> the, those. So I watched the first like, like, bit in. of it. But yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't dived into it yet. I think we'll get into it, but I think yeah. the tapes, the documentary is better. Yeah, okay, okay. Cool. Um, yeah, but we got a bunch of fan questions too, so we're gonna get right into those. Uh, lots of fan questions today, so here we go. Everyone's woken up. Um, <laughs> well, they came, they came on a hibernation. Yeah, for two weeks we didn't hear from anybody, and now <laughs> there's a million questions. Uh, Austin writes, "Hi Taylor and Mike. Uh, seeing as it's the 20th anniversary of a lot of amazing films that came out in 1999, The Mummy, The Matrix, etc., would you consider another 90s special that focuses on 1999 films that aren't teen movies?" Taylor brought up, uh, brought this up. Taylor brought up that this year is considered one of the best for movies. So I think it would be a popular episode. Thank you both for your hard work. It's true. In terms of recent um, film history, 1999 has been pegged by critics as kind of the the high watermark for um, kind of like post-war film. Um, I, you know, we haven't talked about doing a non-teen movie episode, but, you know, The Mummy is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> so. Well, and I want to kind of put these fan questions together because Lily's fan question similar. Says, hi, Mike and Taylor. I'm not sure if either of you are fans of Honest Trailers, which I am, uh, but they just did The Mummy, a favorite of mine. Any thoughts on that movie? You should consider a 1999 movie special for all the amazing films during this <laughs> time frame. So Lily agrees with Austin, and I agree. There's I, a demand. Yeah, and I like The Mummy too. Mm-hmm. It's one of one of my favorite action um, adventure movies, and I think Brendan Fraser is phenomenal in that movie. We can do maybe like an action adventure 1999. Yeah, I mean, there's The Matrix. Which also came out that year. I've never seen all of The Matrix. I think I've seen like bits of it. Might we'll, be an excuse to watch. We'll it. look at you know a list and see what we can come together with. Yeah, and I mean, I've, in looking at the summer, there's a lot of cool things we could do this summer with um, a lot of movies opening, and there's a lot of like you know Quentin Tarantino um, has a new movie, so we could do something special around that. So, so I think Pulp Fiction cool came things. out in '99. Yeah, I think so. So the, I, I think we might be able to do that. If, if people are interested, I'm sure we can do it. There seems to be a demand. We have a lot of 90s fans. Yes, true. And that was a really popular episode. So yeah. I, I, so the answer, everyone, well, more of a comment. Yes, Austin, we think we can do that. Um, we'll talk about it. And Lily, we both like The Mummy. Oh my gosh, I love The Mummy. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, Erica, there you go, uh, asks, says, hi. Uh, loving the show. Do either of you have a favorite cameo in a movie? Recently, I've been rewatching a few movies and never even noticed some famous actors who made appearances in the film. Any interesting cameos from famous actors in unlikely places with love, Erica? So I immediately, when um, Mike read this question to me before, I immediately said Meatloaf in Spice World. Um, Meatloaf, of course, is a singer mm-hmm. um, well known from the 70s and 80s. Um, he did a lot of acting he's also makes a cameo in fight club he was and he was in rocky horror yeah so um but it was kind of like an unexpected because spice world is <laughs> yeah not exactly such a self-contained universe and he plays the bus driver of their tour bus so just kinda, i don't know just weird and quirky and fun and um that would be my favorite cameo um Mine has to be from a movie called Eurotrip, which actually has a lot of cameos in it. Um, but Matt Damon, right near the beginning, plays the leader of a rock band, whatever. And the main character, I can't remember his name, but he, he, his girlfriend 
is Fiona and they just broke up and during this he goes to this party and Matt Damon comes on and, and basically sings this song called, called Scotty Doesn't Know. That's his name. Scotty's the main, main character, um, which basically is like, about cheating. I, I've been I've been with your girlfriend for the, almost the same amount of time you have, and like they're celebrating an anniversary and about cheating. And I think it's one of the funniest cameos because Matt Damon just gives it all. Very strange. <laughs> he's not known for no. teen gross out comedy. No, and he's not even. It's it's you know not out of the teen movie was still in like the 2000s. So like Matt Damon had done a lot of stuff by this point, so it's not even like a random when he was. It younger. would be like a no namer would typically be in a, a yes. role like that. Yes. Yeah. And and Matt Damon just comes on and sings this hilarious song. He rocks and, out, and it's it's very funny. So that, that's one of my favorites. But there's a couple other cameos. But wait, you have a great story about that. It, oh yes, it reminds you, <laughs> you know, art is true to life. Yes. Well, so so this is this is I guess a story from Matthew, um, who was one of our. I think that was his name, and I mean he can correct me if I'm wrong. But it, one of our uh, fans who wrote in about. Um, he can't watch Amanda Bynes movies anymore because uh, of an incident of, I think his girlfriend cheated on him, something mm-hmm. like that. So this movie, I mean, this movie came out at a different time, whatever, but it has a lot more significance to me because something similar to happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very, it was a very interesting moment of, of you would think that watching this movie now would make me feel um, and what had happened was like years ago. This mm-hmm. was like, geez, this was, I'm, how old am I now? This would have been like 10, 11 years ago. So obviously I'm over it. But you would think going back to this movie would be tough because it, it's yeah, basically, wound. it's the same type of sequence of, you know, finding out someone cheated on you and how it happened and whatever. Um, but it actually makes me laugh so much more and I enjoy it so much more. So to Matthew out there, Sometimes you can go back to things like Amanda Bynes might not always be something that you hate. You might be able maybe to look a decade back at those from now. Yeah, maybe a decade from now you'll look back and, and you can laugh at it and you can make fun of it, which is really funny. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But there's a couple other cameos I was thinking of trying to think of like the surprise cameo. Mike Myers in Bohemian Rhapsody. Mike Myers in Bohemian Rhapsody is pretty good um, because you're not really expecting it. Yeah. And that kind of connection to Wayne's world mm-hmm. is good. But I also, um, one that a lot of people don't know about is Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2 oh. plays the invisible character. <laughs> so near the beginning of the movie where they introduce X-Force, it's this whole big joke, quick spoiler warning for Deadpool 2 because I'm going to spoil something that happens. All the characters within X-Force die almost immediately at the beginning. And as the the character gets shocked... Um, you see, it's Brad Pitt. So he plays the invisible dude who's, who's in Yeah, it's the, fun when, like, itself. big names yeah. kind of are just in... Well, they don't have to be, like, small movies, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you didn't... They're in a in a way you wouldn't expect them to be. Another one for Mike Myers, actually, is I think in Glorious Bastards, Mike oh. Myers was in for, like, two seconds as, like, a general. Yeah, I think... Doesn't he send, one like, Brad Pitt or someone off on the mission? That really does ring a bell. Yeah. I feel... And it's very brief yeah and he's in heavy makeup and it's like really but i'm pretty sure it's mike myers yeah i'm trying to think also like you know he donald sutherland is in the original um buffy the vampire slayer movie but it's not really a cameo like he's 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 a character he's he's a character in it yeah no (laughs) so yeah sometimes and that's good too when you like big names are in floppy movies you're like oh yeah yeah. (laughs) 
there's been a couple like a lot of big name stars will do it for a period of time will just pop into movies randomly like christopher walken yeah he, oh he'll be in anything <laughs> i've read a comment where he said he doesn't even know he'll take anything essentially that someone will give him hmm. so he hasn't even seen the majority of the movies he's been wow, in because he just like he he is amazing in a movie called balls of fury which is about pin um pinball pinball ping pong ping pong (laughs) (laughs) yes i know i knew i know you mean yes the villain in that movie and that is a very good unsung christopher walken movie yeah 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 and that's probably one of the movies he hasn't seen (laughs) um i think was it the the tennis player rory mcavoy who was famous for yelling and screaming people. oh he makes a great cameo in zoolander in zoolander yeah that's a, yeah yeah he, he he appears in zoolander and plays very, himself yeah very briefly and so does i think billy zane is in yeah. the original zoolander so oh, like, there's yeah. lots of cameos in zoolander yeah because yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be all of the celebrities yeah and... oh here's a quick good one anchorman 2 harrison ford near the beginning of the movie he plays the person who hires one of them to take over like his position at, right. at some global news thing but harrison ford is in the movie for like five minutes and it makes no sense because it's grumpy harrison ford and he's an anchor man so you just see will ferrell in this ridiculous makeup sitting next to harrison, to ford. harrison ford and they're just doing a scene together and it's really funny yeah i love it so there are some a couple really cool cameos um next question comes from barkley who says, hi, Taylor and Mike, loving the show. That was such an entertaining podcast about Endgame. Well done. I want to also agree with Taylor that we need a vampire special show where Mike has to recast Twilight. Make it happen, Taylor. What is your favorite movie featuring a vampire? Mine has to be What We Do in the Shadows, Only Lovers Left Alive, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Interview with the Vampire. Thank you both for a great show. So Barkley is referring to, for those of you who only listen to us on CFRC, um, we did a special, it's like a 90-minute podcast, might be over 90 minutes, of just doing Avengers Endgame spoilers. So that is available now to download. You can get that through the podcast network or go to CFRC's podcast website, and you can download that episode. But Taylor does make an appearance. We played a fun game. And yeah, I, I, you mentioned in that podcast that you want to do a vampire episode. So because that's, like that's what's going to happen. One of my favorite, you know, people like superheroes. I like vampires. I have to agree with Bar- Barkley. You gave a great list. All of those would be on my list. I would also include um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's mm. an Iranian film. Um, phenomenal movie, and it's it's a, it's a considered a vampire western. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I would also include um, Lost Boys, mm. you know, 80s. So mm-hmm. um, those would all be my favorite, plus those two. Um, I've seen What We Do in the Shadows, and I thought it was hilarious. Um, I've seen Lost Boys, and I think I've seen Interview with the Vampire. Is that the one with uh, Tom, Tom Cruise? Cruise and yeah. Brad Pitt. So I've seen that one. I haven't seen Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I hear it's really good. It is beautiful. It's gotten some criticism because uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Winona Ryder are the leads, mm-hmm. and they don't do period accents very well oh, like they've got like since they've since been kind of made fun of because they kind of speak in their regular voices but i feel like their voices are very contemporary you you know what i mean like keanu and we, winona have very distinctive 
kind of contemporary voices. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They can't really do masterpiece theater. No. And that's kind of what Francis Ford Coppola was going for. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and it's an uh, it it's a beautiful film. And Gary Oldman plays Dracula, and he kind of plays him in two ways. He plays him as kind of. Um, what Dracula actually looks like than what he looks like when he's trying to be beautiful. So mm. it's almost like he's playing two Draculas. So anyways, I highly recommend that one. So we'll have to... D- it looks like it's in demand now. I mean, we'll have to do a vampire <laughs> 90s, episode. 90s episode and vampire. vampire. And, and I will recast Twilight. That'll <laughs> that be fun. Be my task. That'll be interesting. Um, okay, our last question comes from Tyler, our official Star Trek correspondent, but his email was titled... Smelly beef, <laughs> because <laughs> he he wants to uh, take a different side to the movie Her Smell. So we'll read his thoughts and then respond. So Tyler says, hello, Mike and Taylor. Another great show, but I have some beef. If you're still looking for that soul who loved the movie Her Smell, then look no further. Tyler, we finally found you. You're the only person who <laughs> loved this God. movie. <laughs> Thank yeah, God finally. for writing in. Um, in the interest of keeping this email <laughs> to more of a novella than a novel in length, uh, let me get right to the point. Her smell is a masterclass in constructing a singular persona out of the combo of camera work, score, and performance. Elizabeth Moss's manic, drug-addled line reads, combined with the frantic head, he- handheld camera makes every second Becky something, that's her last name, is on the screen feel like a panic attack. When you layer the score, okay, we have to talk about the score, that constant drone of bass, audio feedback, and non-script noise over top of it, the experience becomes a straight-up nightmare. I feel that was the intention, and it pulled off perfectly. So in many ways, her smell feels like a horror movie to me. It's an uneasy, nerve-wracking experience with a monster of a person in the center of it all left me hanging, (laughs) left me hugging myself in the theater. Um, So Tyler, I mean... I agree with with one point of it did have a feel for me like a horror movie feels like that's what was my comparison to green room mm-hmm. it had a very similar trapped atmospheric atmospheric feel to it however the points that Tyler's bringing up are all things I felt actually missed for me I I found the the score to be actually quite distracting whereas Tyler said it added to the nightmare mm-hmm. to me it was very distracting yeah I didn't like it and it was very difficult for me to to I'm talking structurally hear what was going on I had mm-hmm. no idea what those characters were saying which was part of my problem I also I like that idea of like I did feel uneasy and it felt like a horror movie but to me there was no payoff I don't need to jump scare but yeah. I need that to pay off in a way of what sort of nightmare are we in? Like I, and then that never happened. Here's a slight spoiler. I tried not to spoil it last week, but it's not, I think it's almost gone from, yeah, it's been two weeks. I I feel like we can spoil it. Um, yeah, I thought she should have died. I, yeah, I mean, certainly if if we thought this was like a horror movie, like a traditional horror movie setup, whatever, whatever. I don't think she should have lived at the end of the movie. Hmm. And so just, narrative wise structurally i didn't think the movie hit any of the marks it was trying to make i'm glad you um i'm glad tyler got maybe what the filmmaker was trying to do for me it was just a lot of misses i've seen um like a woman's downward spiral on film before done much better for my what immediately comes to mind is possession um, a movie from the late 80s which is a horror movie and I forget the name of the actress, but there's a scene when she's in a subway tunnel 
and you know the camera work is very frantic she's mm-hmm. spinning around mm-hmm. the camera spinning around that to me and i don't remember what the soundtrack was but i felt like i knew while watching that what the filmmaker was trying to do and the filmmaker achieved what they were trying to do and i don't i didn't i did not feel like it was a nightmare i did not feel like it was a horror movie all i was was annoyed i was annoyed by the soundtrack annoyed by the dialogue and annoyed by the performances i felt that to me this movie essentially was in four parts so the first part of the movie is up until her first sort of freak out and then yeah. we skipped to the recording session yeah the first 20 minutes of the movie i think i kind of felt the way tyler did mm-hmm. where i i did feel claustrophobic yeah, right. i felt like i didn't know what was going on i felt that it was a, a mad race but then it stopped and it changed styles yeah. When it, in the recording studio is nothing like the rest of the movie. Then they go back to another performance, and then she like has a freak out and also almost ODs, and then they have a time skip, right? Mm-hmm. And then this again, that's different. Like nothing in this movie to me. It wasn't consistent. Yeah, it wasn't consistent, and I felt like it was very strange. It was a strange structure of every thirty minutes changing the tone of the movie, which I it I was didn't disjointed, get. and I don't know how we were supposed to feel what our relationship to Becky something was supposed to be. Like, were we supposed to like her? Cause yeah. like I did not like her and I wanted her to die. Yeah. I had no, I had no sympathy towards her or any character because even when her baby daddy, ex-husband, whoever the hell he is opened his mouth, I couldn't hear him. Yeah. He's, I was like, I don't care what you're saying. I can't hear you. He I was, can't you know, hear a word. You're we saying. know he was trying to deliver paperwork. Two people were trying to deliver paperwork to her at different times. And her mother was trying to deliver her know. paperwork, which we never find out about later. Yeah. And then he was trying to serve her divorce papers. Yeah. But that's not how divorce papers are served. So I don't know. And I think, I mean, I think this is the power that film has, right? Where three people can have kind of three different. Yeah. Vastly different experiences. The experiences in the movie. And I feel like Tyler really got something out of it and seemed to enjoy it. You're very much d- didn't enjoy it. And I, I'm kind of leaning towards you, but I can see some, there were some aspects of the, the merit. movie. I got. Yeah, I saw some merit in it. Um, I do want to quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but quickly talk about his comments about Elizabeth Moss's performance because you didn't actually like her performance at no, all. No, I felt movie. like she was just reading lines. She didn't embody them. I felt like I could have done that see and i i'm a little bit closer to tyler's point as i thought she did at least give it her all within it. i just to me the script never helped there wasn't enough within the what she was saying and doing to help convey yeah i don't i think the biggest problem was the dialogue i don't know how you make that dialogue sound yeah. i don't know yeah. i just it was like she was trying to give a shakespearean performance in like a rock in a rock documentary those two things don't go together the dialogue didn't make sense. I don't know. Well, and it's interesting because he describes it as, as manic, frantic, using the handheld camera to make every second that she speaks like a, feel like a panic attack. I would agree with that, but I, I feel like it, it worked for Tyler, but it didn't work for you. Or yeah. Me. Like, we just didn't, it just didn't resonate for us in that same way. I guess I just, um, like, again, to me, like, what they were trying to do it's hard to make a woman's downward spiral spiral make sense and give it justice and you know a full rounded performance and to me possession is a good example of of doing that on screen and i just didn't think i think it fell flat yeah on this one um 
Yeah. And like, hey, like I, I think it's great, Tyler, that you that you enjoyed the movie, and and I'm glad that you got something out of it. And I'm sure there are people who did. I'm sure oh, there are tons, people who, tons who people liked, liked the it. movie. It didn't really hit for us. It was kind of misses for us on that point. But and uh, I think that's at least people have now heard his review of it. So when they go to see it, let us know. Are you more leaning towards what Tyler thinks? Do you th- do you agree with us? I think that seems to be the general consensus in terms of the critics' response. Hmm. It's very divided. Hmm. Like, some people are liking it for its avant-garde, like, you know, its um, more risky choices, and other people are feeling alienated by the choices that the director made. Hmm. Interesting. Well, there you go. Those are our fan questions for today. Thank you to everybody who, uh, who wrote in. If you'd like to be on the show and write in a question, just give us an email at screeningandkingston at gmail.com or find us on social media. We have all social media. So find us there. Um, we're going to review some Except movies Except LinkedIn. Now. We don't. I we don't, don't think LinkedIn. we have a LinkedIn no, or no, like a Foursquare. Okay, the old I people. I don't know what Foursquare is, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, we're going we're gonna to review some movies because we have so many get, to get through. Um, mm-hmm. I really want to start with with the, um, the Wickedly Netflix. Wickedly bad. Yeah, so like <laughs> extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, which is on Netflix, the movie around sort of the Ted Bundy murders that happened in the 70s, I believe. Yes. At least it starts in the 70s. Starts in the early 70s, and yeah. I don't think the case kind of completes until the late 70s. Okay. And I believe, uh, I mean, can you spoil history? I feel like what we can do a spoiler talk because this is literally okay. real yeah, life. Yeah, so there's spoiler talk because to- you can literally Google this. <laughs> he was sent. He was co- sentenced to death and I believe killed in 89. It was, it was later in the 80s. He went to the electric chair. And yeah, it, it was in the late 80s. In the 80s. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it was the tri- the murders and the trial sort of concluded their beginning of the 80s. And yeah. And he, he was sentenced to death and put to death in the late 80s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this movie is a Netflix movie, or at least Netflix is the distributor for it. Um, it stars Zac Efron as Ted Bundy and Lily Collins as name I can't remember because it wasn't relevant, um, apparently. Uh, <laughs> even though she's supposed to be the main character. Even though she's supposed to be the main character in the movie. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, that's kind of where I get that's into the my biggest point. issue. The, my biggest issue is, is I don't think this movie knew what it wanted to do. Um, I think that... It, it tried, I think, a bit to focus on her and what she was going as through a as a victim. But I just, I feel like the most interesting parts of the movie for me was Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. 100%. It, that was the parts of the movie that I was most enthralled in. And I don't even like, I, I mean, I think I've said before that I think Zac Efron has, has range that we haven't seen yet. This is the best I think I've seen him in, in, in an acting role. I, I, only, I thought he did a great job. I only had like slight issues with his performance, I think 90% of it I liked. Hmm. I think he didn't quite capture the mania hmm. of, um, or like the desperation totally. of Ted. Because yeah. again, this this movie is based on real people. Mm-hmm. Um, the court case is filmed and you know, you can see the actual court case. It was uh, one of, I think, one of the first to be televised. I think it was the first yeah. to be televised. So he has like the actual source material to go to. You can see Ted and when he's being interviewed, mm-hmm. um, um, stuff like that. So I feel like there is Ted Bundy is known for being very charismatic, very chameleon. But having seen the real footage, there's still a mania and desperation mm-hmm. behind his eyes mm-hmm. when he's pushed to the limit. And I feel like. Um, Zac Efron didn't get, you know, he didn't go that final, you yeah. know, sociopathic. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't know if that was a decision by the directors or if, you know, he just doesn't have the ability. Hmm. You know, it's hard to say because they wanted to give you a, a yeah. very bland. This is yeah. the this man committed. Can you believe that a man like this committed all these murders, yeah. these heinous? Yeah, I mean, it it comes down to I firmly believe that the director's number one responsibility above all else is to get a good performance out of your actors. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is if you do nothing else but that, you've completed your mm -hmm. job as a director. So I don't know if it was the director or yeah, if like that's just his range, like it was as far as he yeah, could go. Um, I I totally agree with you. I think that there is something missing, even from what little I know about it. I was a little disappointed at the things we didn't get to see. And I think that was because they made the choice to make this a movie for Netflix as opposed to a TV series. Mm -hmm. um, it reminded me at the beginning so much of the O.J. Simpson's drama they did that was like 10 episodes, American Crime Story, yeah. that was very well done. Sterling K. Brown was in it and Cuba Gooding Jr. And that was very well done. I am and very shocked. well received. Yeah, I am shocked they didn't do this as American Crime Story Ted Bundy. Because if they had 10 episodes where they can develop Lily Collins' character, they can develop, spend more time with Zac Efron and see those moments, I don't understand why they didn't do that. Um, the beginning of the movie I liked a lot better than as things move towards the end because at the beginning there was a, even though I know exactly what happened as someone watching it I was like well wait a minute did he do it like there was I had that moment there was <laughs> one moment like, where the directors I felt like wanted that. you the directors want to give you that doubt because mm -hmm. Lily Collins has doubt yeah and we're supposed it's supposed to be her story yes. so in in the movie she plays Ted's long-term girlfriend I'm sorry I just can't remember her name I know it's horrible yeah because it's about her and the, and he says it a lot. So the movie is based on her memoir. Yeah. So it's like, but it doesn't Ooh. do her. It doesn't do her character service. Doesn't it, do her it, any justice. It, it's not like it's. They don't develop her and who. I can't tell you a single trait about who she is. She works at like a medical office, maybe. And she has a daughter. That's all I know about her. That's it. Like, and then I she can't. gets like a chubby boyfriend who is. Um, uh, talk about a cameo. Haley Joe Osmond, <laughs> grown up. <laughs> My other problem with the film is that they didn't want to sensationalize the crimes, so none of the crimes are shown on screen. But the fact that there was no sort of um, look, I didn't want him to see him like murder a girl, but the. But the lead up to it would have yeah, been Yeah, nice. like, you know, like in a... Um, well, you see a, the one scene near the end yeah, where they show one thing. It's too late at that it's point. It's too late. I wish they had done that with all of them. There was no tension, mm -hmm. no suspense. No. Because, no, you know, even when you're watching something like um, Criminal Minds, yeah. you know, you see kind of the lead up, you know, you see the silhouette of the murderer. Mm -hmm. You either see the beginning or mm -hmm. the aftermath. And it gives you... There's, like, stakes involved. Um, there was not, like... It's like these crimes happened and then we tuned in yeah. three days later yeah. and are watching the news report. And I think that building that tension would have added to what they were doing at the beginning of the movie, which was making, like, I'm just going for me, making me go, wait a minute, did he do it? Wait, what is going on? Because they had a lot of time jumps. Mm -hmm. They had little things and it was good. Like it was building the tension of the film. But then I felt like they just, it just lost its way and it, and it didn't continue to build that tension throughout the entire thing and it was hey it was creepy there were moments in this film that were creepy and odd but it just the consistency wasn't there and i just never felt as an audience member that 
talk about being trapped and concealed. When I was watching the O.J. Simpson series, even though I know what happens, mm -hmm. you feel trapped in that courtroom and you feel part of it and you feel there. And I didn't get any of that. And this. there's stakes involved. Yeah. Like there was no, you know, I felt no emotional mm -hmm. um, investment. And I really didn't like the sort of quick snap at the end so again we're going to spoil it a little bit and and this movie it's just he maintains his innocence yep. throughout this movie mm -hmm. which is exactly what he did in life in life however they then at the end through uh just writing text on the screen say uh and then he admitted to doing 30 of the murders we think he did more which is true on well, that's death, fine. on 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 you know death's door or whatever yeah. Because he thought he would be able to um, deter his sure. his death yeah, yeah. by being able to co corroborate with yeah. the with law enforcement. But I agree with you. It's kind of, also the fact Why not that show us that it's a um, movie. he kind of, uh, in a way, admits to to the, his girlfriend. Yes, the that, one, um, the one murder. And I felt also that that was, I don't know. That, that moment had such potential, and I think they kind of missed it. Yeah, like I think it kind of undid some of the things that they were trying to do. Yeah. It was yeah. probably the creepiest, creepiest part Absolutely. of the film. Absolutely, I totally agree. But it kind of undid. Yeah. Um, that moment was creepy, but it did undo a lot of what they were building. Yeah. Especially between the two of them. Yeah. Now, again, this is based on reality. So for all like and it, it's based on her memoir. So she's probably just recounting exactly what happened. But I just don't think I think the movie stopped in the wrong place. I think it showed us some of the wrong things. And if it had been if it had been a five episode miniseries, I think it would have been able to show us so much more interesting things. Yeah. You don't have to show us the crimes. I don't need to see that either. But the buildup. The suspense within the courtroom. Or even the investigation the of yeah, the, the crime. investigation. The more mania, like other than the throwaway lines of interviewing a couple of the women who attend the course. It's like, oh, he's so dreamy. That's it. That's all we mm -hmm. got about the mania. We didn't get anything else from it. So it was very interesting that they, I think for time, showed what they could in a short period of time to keep it to, to a reasonable length of a I movie. I think it was like an hour 20. It could have been longer. It could have been a longer movie. And I think they could have... If they had put the money into it and spread the time out, I think it would have made better for a miniseries. I think it's going to be unsatisfying for two true crime buffs. Like, I'm a, I'm, I wouldn't say, like, I'm a true crime buff. Well, I kind of am. I found it unsatisfying. Yeah. Like, just watch the Bundy tapes. Yeah. It's Which I, I was telling Taylor that my <laughs> Netflix uh, immediately started playing them. <laughs> Netflix so. knows what its audience wants. <laughs> my Netflix was like, okay, this is next. <laughs> Which, I, okay, like, I mean, I'm, I... I'm being kind of a little more negative to the movie that I came out of it because I, I did have some moments of entertainment and I do think, like, I enjoyed Zac Efron's performance. Yeah. And I think that he did a good job with it. And I didn't I didn't um, have much of an issue with um, uh, Jim Parsons as, as I you didn't did. Like you didn't him. like Jim Parsons, but I thought it was all right. Like, I didn't have an issue with him. It was a relatively small role. As I said at the beginning of the show, John Malkovich is terrible. Um, but... I see potential within the story and potential within the movie. I don't think it quite hit it, but my overall rating would still be like stream it, even though that you can't like stream it versus see it for our ratings. Doesn't make any sense, yeah. but I would still give it a middle. Like I wouldn't say necessarily skip it. There's, there's something in here that's entertaining. And I could see a lot of people liking the movie, but I think if you're going to watch it, do what I'm doing right now. Jump into the the Bundy tapes right after. And yeah, why not? I mean, get get into it and kind of get that sense of it. I I feel like 
and not to this is going to sound bad but this sounds it's like a, a a bland jump in it's like eat this little salad and then jump into the main course get to the stage yeah and that's <laughs> like watching watching the first part of, i think i watched the first part of the first episode of the ted bunny tapes i was more intrigued because of that movie i feel like maybe I would like the movie more if I hadn't seen the documentary yeah, first. that's fair. Because seeing the real people, like, they interview, yeah. you know, the lead investigators. They interview the woman who was the only surviving victim. Um, they don't interview. There's nothing from the girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know if maybe she passed away or didn't want to, you know, participate. Yeah. But you, it, I just feel like it's more fleshed out. Hmm. And, you know... As horrible as it is, part of the interest is the nature of the crimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, so. Well, I mean, I think I, I still, you know, that's, that is human nature, though. That's why we're attracted to this. That's why there's so many serial killer documentaries mm -hmm. on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, because I'm now watching those do that documentary after watching the movie, I'm I'm inclined to, to agree. I, I think... I would recommend watching this as as an appetizer, as it's, a little tasting to it. You know, it's it. book versus movie exactly. kind of, right? Yeah. If you read yeah. the book first, maybe you're not yeah. going to like the movie as much and vice versa. Which is why I'm still going to give it a stream it because you can be entertained. But yeah, mine's it's not just a, a skip it, yeah, but no, it's, it's a, not. Yeah, I would feel like, yeah, throw it on. It's almost like a background exactly. movie. Exactly. It's a background movie. Throw it on and then watch, you know, move on to the Ted Bundy tapes. The juicy and then, steak. Yeah, exactly. The... Exactly. That's why I think Which it's is a little, It's a little off. It's a little blue of me to well, say that. A little bit, but it's Given true. the nature of the crimes, but still. <laughs> but still. I mean, he didn't eat anybody as far as we know. Okay. Oh, did he? The, his crimes are much worse than the movie really? led you to Because I, I saw the, the bite mark bit in there. but And that, I, again, I've only started the documentary. So that's I'm not also, really I think. Because you don't know the extent mm -hmm. of the crimes in the movie, you're more inclined to like Zac Efron and again, you being like, did he do it? Did he mm -hmm. not do it? His crimes actually were horrendous. Wow. So <laughs> I'm in, I'm in for a wild ride. No, I think I thought the movie actually did a very good job of that. I mean, they, they didn't glorify they didn't, the yeah. crimes and they, they did what I think a good movie is supposed to do, which is present a, a character that you have con conflictions about and yep. i think they did that i think they they i understood why people would not immediately think oh you're a killer like i i got it at the beginning yeah. but then i felt like it lost its way um and you know there was some controversy about you know not including the names of the victims at the end of the film they do list they all do. of the names of his yep. um his victims and alleged mm -hmm. victims so yep. um you know they, they tried the you know they tried to do that yeah. but so all in all, it, for me, it's it's a stream it. If you if you're gonna watch the documentary way, throw this in as an appetizer to start, and then do the and then do the documentary. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so the next film we're gonna talk about. Why don't we go to uh, uh, Women at War? I really liked Women at War. This is an Icelandic film. Um, it's kind of being billed as kind of like a, a drama comedy. Hmm. Um, it's I would describe it as a global warming fable. Don't go into this movie thinking that it's going to be realism. It's a, okay. There's some more... Um, I don't want to give it away because it's it's fun when you first see it on mm -hmm. screen, but there's kind of one fantastical element of the film that is throughout the whole film, and that's how you know that this isn't realism. Okay. You have to go into the movie knowing this is more of a, a fable or a fairy tale. Um, it's about a middle-aged woman who 
is trying to single-handedly take down a major industry in Iceland because um, she uh, is very concerned about global warming. So the film is about one woman's fight to kind of, you know, stop or stall global warming. Things are complicated because um, her adoption application is approved for her to adopt a young girl from the Ukraine. Um, So the soundtrack is kind of like a, a Ukrainian folk soundtrack, which I absolutely loved. Um, it won't be for everyone again because the hmm. the soundtrack to me does um, mirror the action on screen. But for someone maybe who's not used to that type of music, it may seem like people were laughing every time uh, the music played for oh interesting for specific. And to me, I didn't think it was comedy. I don't personally like. I didn't think it was. Um, a comedic like the movie is has co- has comedic elements sure but i didn't think the music was the comedy interesting um so maybe either the audience misread it or i misread the intent i don't know um but i thought it was a, a very tight film you know um i can't remember how long it was but it's it's fairly short and it went by you know quick it didn't feel like it was dragging good editing beautiful cinematography if you've never seen Icelandic vistas you're going to see lots of the mm. outdoors um the main actress plays twins so you get to see her kind of she gives a really good oh, performance yeah so she's the same actress playing each yeah she's twin. playing yeah, yeah. her own yeah. twin wow um as I thought it was I think it's well worth a see I don't really have um too many negative things to say about it I the women who were sitting beside me they definitely um we're misreading some things on mm. and they definitely um were missing things i don't think they when i asked them how what they thought about it they went oh it was interesting you know <laughs> they're like oh it was okay like but i think you know it is in icelandic so you have to read the subtitles mm. but i didn't think it was a hard movie to follow and they clearly were missing mm. sort of the larger thesis of the film or you know what i mean and so be aware that this movie is um, you know, there is a little bit of intellectual work you have to do with so watching it. So you have to be prepared it. going into it that this is not going to be a literal film that you just walk in, sit yeah. down, there's your plot, and then you go. There's, you know, it's, it is a fairy tale about global warming. Interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> so, so overall, you're recommending... See it. See it. See it. I think it was a really great see movie. See it, but be prepared. Yeah, be prepared yeah. that it's not going to be realism, yeah. you know? The fact that, you know, one woman going up against giant industry... That's not real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even the main plot point, you know, you're not going to expect this to, you know. So anyways, I thought it was really great. So there you go. That's uh, that's Woman at War now playing at the screening room. And Taylor says, go see it. Go see it. Um, Okay. So I think I'll talk about The Grizzlies next. This is a Canadian film that was part of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. I believe won the the People's Choice Award at the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. Yeah, it seems like it was a fan favorite. Yeah, so it was was fan favorite. So the screening room brought it back. Um, For those of you not in Kingston, the Kingston Canadian Film Festival is a all-Canadian film festival here in Kingston that happens at the beginning of March. So it runs for about a week, and there's quite a few different films that kind of come from all over Canada. Um, This one specifically is, is interesting in a lot of ways because it is uh, it dives into aboriginal culture um specifically i mean it's set in the north it's a northern Um, community yes and and specifically that the community's struggles are ones that actually 
I've only begun to learn about over the past couple of years. Um, I used to work for an organization um, called the Students Commission of Canada. And they did quite a lot of work um, uh, with with First Nations and, and you know, working through the, many of the different issues within sort of the Aboriginal culture. Now, this specifically looks at teens and, and youth, young people. Youth, and youth suicide. Yeah, youth suicide is, is the main idea. Which I feel this. like most Canadians have probably read in headlines. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? It, they have a, they have. A high, very high rate of, of teen and youth suicide in these communities. It's a crisis. It's a crisis, and specifically in this film, they focus on one community, um, where in the, you know just to give an example, in the school, um, he's supposed to have you know there's basically follows this teacher that's been been assigned here. He's supposed to have 25 kids in the class, and you know on the first day maybe maybe 15 are there. Um, most show up when they want to. If they want to, there's not as much uh, focus on going to school, um, and there's not a lot to do in the community. Um, you sort of learn at the beginning the re- one of the main reasons why, not just because of the, the sort of isolation that they feel as a community, it's, it's there's nothing to do. There's mm-hmm. no... Um, there's no way for outlets. outlets. There's no outlet for young people in that community other than than drugs and alcohol and hanging out and just not doing anything, which can lead to a lot of a lot of trouble. So the interesting thing to me about this movie was it is not a plot or storyline that is new in any way. Even the movie itself, uh, there is nothing in this movie that surprised me. If you've ever seen a movie uh, that's basically basketball about, diaries, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen Coach Carter, yeah. or the Mighty Ducks. You've seen this movie. However, The Grizzlies is so well executed that you enjoy yourself the entire time. It's it's funny when it needs to be. It has heart when it needs to be. It shows um, a really well-developed group of characters. They really do a great job of focusing on it. About four of the teens and their families and focusing on each of them and giving them an interesting backstory and explaining why they are who they are which is a very interesting thing like not just culturally because they do get into a lot of cultural things because the teacher who comes to this community he's white mm-hmm. and he's from i can't remember where in canada he's even from i don't know like toronto or saskatoon city boy yeah he's just a city guy from some who knows where um and he's an outsider and he you know even though he's a respectful person he doesn't understand the culture Mm -hmm. and he doesn't um he doesn't get it and you see those problems from the beginning and i thought this movie not only handled that very well just gave it such an interesting dynamic within the story of you're following him this entire way and you you as nani's feel like him you're trying to understand and you see something and you go well this is really strange and weird and i don't think i would behave that way but then you learn why right and that kind of makes you question your own thoughts going into it so i really enjoyed this movie it yeah does it well you're kind of missing the biggest plot point it's about lacrosse it's about lacrosse we're comparing it to sports yeah sorry i haven't even thrown the lacrosse (laughs) so basically what happens is is that he uh he comes to the community realizes that the kids have nothing to do and tries to provide an outlet and starts a house lacrosse league so the idea is that through lacrosse which is actually canada's national sport it's not hockey it's lacrosse um you can you you're using your body you're running you're you can hit there's there's physical exertment you're you know you're learning how to be as a team and all those things come into play and it's a big struggle for him at first but again if you've seen any any sports movie with, with young people there's a triumph there's a there's a triumph <laughs> there's a there's a great montage of them getting better they meet the good kid who can run real fast who they bring in to make them better <laughs> like all those things ha- all those tropes happen but it's just so well executed that you enjoy yourself the entire way and they actually get to a point in this movie where they get to go compete 
nationally against other young people. I think it's based on a true story. It is based on a true story. Um, and I think that, again, all those things that could have been tropey and could have been boring, they execute it well, which is why you kind so of come out of this movie with a smile on your face. Traditional story, but done it in a done very in a nice Canadian with a, Cana good. with a Canadian spin, um, with, with a First Nation spin, with a really great job by the actors. Um, uh, Bobo Stewart, who's an actor who I saw in, in the X-Men movies, it's great to see him again. He plays one of the kids, uh, does a great job. I mean, Will Sasso's Canadian accent's super annoying, um, but you'll get over it. But for the but other than that, like they, the um, the sort of four main kids they focus on, they all do a fantastic great. job. So uh, highly recommend. It's a see it for me. Um, really great movie. I again. No, you're coming out of it seeing if you've probably seen this before, but you're going to enjoy it the whole time. Um, last movie is High Life. <laughs> saved, um, saved maybe the best for last? Well, saved something for last. So this is so hard because I, uh, this was one of the first movies that I left and I went, okay, I need to go read someone else's review of this movie, which I've never done right. for this show. I've always just been like, I'll go with my own thoughts, but I, I needed to know how other people were handling this movie. You wanted to know if it wasn't, it wasn't just you. Yes, because I, I'm, I'm very mixed mm -hmm. with, with this movie. So this is what I'll reveal about it. Cause I, I really, one of the reviewers said you should go into this movie knowing nothing. Mm -hmm. I kind of agree with that, but here's just the general premise. It's essentially about prisoners who are sent to space. Right. Essentially. That's that, that's enough to and give you, can, you something. You can gleam that from the trailer. If you watch trailer. the trailer, you, you know that that's basically it. Um, Robert Pattinson's in it from Twilight. Um, and this movie, this movie is so strange to me. It is as intellectually challenging as a movie like Interstellar is, where there's so much going on and you're not too sure what to think. But it also has the same manic movement and strange camera work and odd soundtrack and odd use of everything that her smell does where i honestly came out of this both liking it and hating it there you go. i i i'm so split on my opinion of this movie because robert pattinson gives first of all a great performance the, the best i've ever seen him do and i haven't seen him do a lot he's phenomenal in this movie um, very strong. Everything he does is great. Um, the, the, the little looks and moves of the camera with him and, and the way they use score and sound within the work that he does, it's fantastic. But I just, there's so much of this movie that even though I think I look at movies in a very intellectual way, I was so confused. I had no idea what they were going for. I still don't get what happened. I think what that's, happened. isn't that what the critics are saying, though? Oh, a lot of critics <laughs> agree with that. Like, they come out it's of it really weird, mixed. It's weird. It's a weird movie. But it's still being, like, the audience score on most areas, like Rotten Tomatoes mm -hmm. and even the c cinema score, are very low. But the critic scores are quite a bit higher. Right. Where critics still come out of it kind of liking it. I don't know if I can even say... But are they... Sometimes I feel like the critics, when they don't know what's happening, yeah. they say it's a good movie. Yeah. Because they're too afraid to admit <laughs> they have no idea what they were seeing. I, I will I will not be afraid to say I was confused <laughs> by, by this film. And I there was lot there were lots of entertaining moments to it. Right. 
I will say very similar to, I think, how you're describing Woman at War. You can't go into this movie thinking it's just going to be straightforward. Mm -hmm. It has more of a coherent plot than I thought it would, but there's so many twists and turns and interesting things that are being done. It's almost like you're watching a very unique character study where you're getting to know these characters and seeing them grow and change throughout the movie. I've heard it described as psychosexual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, yeah. And, and there are. That's like a genre. You know, yeah, the genre. There, there's a lot of sexual content within the movie. Um, I didn't find it to be. I mean, it was some of it was strange, um, but I felt they built up the movie in a way that it, it all sort of fit with what they were doing. Sense. I wouldn't say it made sense. Okay. I would be going too far <laughs> because I don't want to say it made sense, but they made it fit. They made it work with what they were trying to do. There was still a sense of being uncomfortable and weird within this film but i do think unlike her smell for me the filmmaker executed it a little bit better right i came out of it confused but in a more questioning way like what did i see and, and like why did she do that not that she did it wrong exactly. just like why did why, she why did she make that choice yeah why was the camera doing this why were they showing this that like it was more questioning in an intrigued way as opposed to being completely turned off by it so for me all in all like high life is a movie that i would say like stream it Watch it at home and rewatch it three or four times. That would be my opinion like on it. To yeah, try like to Inception. Yeah, like Inception, because it, to me, it is it is very much like Inception, like some of the Christopher Nolan movies, just not quite as straightforward, even as those movies are, where you have to think through it and you can't just take it as is. And like what you're seeing isn't necessarily what you're seeing. And not a lot of people are going to like the movie. I would 100% understand if you came out of this hating this movie, and I would also understand if you came out of it intrigued and fascinated by this movie. My girl, Nicole, who I talk a lot about, my best friend, saw this on a date. Hmm. <laughs> and she saw that, this on a date? Yeah, and the, the young man she was with did not like it, so I can only imagine that there will not be another date. <laughs> did she really enjoy the movie? She, I think she liked it. She said, you know, she said to me, Taylor, you're going to hate it, but I think you should still see it. Nicole always wants me to see the movies. Like, she was the one who made me watch Mother. Mm -hmm. She knows that I'm not going to necessarily like these, but she wants me to well, see them. So here, here's actually, I'm glad you brought up Mother, because I actually liked it more than Mother. Oh, and, okay. And the reason being is I found Mother to be one director's... Um, vision not necessarily vision or passion but he, he almost was too obsessed with himself that wouldn't take right. criticism and outside of it. it was almost just a vanity project mm -hmm. and mother was disjointed and chaotic when it didn't need to be i thought high life at bare minimum was trying things that were unique and and were, were at least landing on them. right the, the film did not feel disjointed the film did not feel chaotic in a way of of structure it felt disjointed and chaotic by way of character and plot and the, the way theme. theme and the way they interwove things and i don't want to give too much away because if you do see this you've got to go into it with not much it but sounds, it is it is it is like a mind roller coaster for what you go through it sounds like she made because it's claire danes or claire i forget her name she's a yes um european director i think yes claire um, something it sounds like from what you're describing she made really bold choices but executed them well but you just, again, as the viewer, you don't 
because they're bold and unusual, you don't really know. Claire Dennis. Claire Dennis. Um, yes, I would agree with that point. I think she made bold choices. And it worked. And it worked. But as a viewer, there's still, there's some things that, that make a lot of sense. And then there's other parts of it that you really go and going, I have no idea what the heck So it's just going to be like a weird. And it's the type of movie that I will probably watch at home again. And try to understand more and work right. through. But that's why my rating still has to be a stream it, not a see it. Because I'm saying you should wait. You probably won't enjoy it the first you time wanna, you yeah, see it. Yeah, you're not going to enjoy it the first time you see it. I could 100% understand people walking out of this theater saying that was, I wasted money. I wasted money. I could understand people walking into this theater and being like, well, that was kind of interesting. And I have a lot to think about and it's kind of odd and I'm glad I saw it. But I, I really would have a hard time someone going out of this being like, wow, best movie ever. Like, I don't think it's that type <laughs> this of is movie. This my favorite movie. I think you have to, to sit with it. I think you have to work through it. Um, so for me, High Life is a stream it, but it is worth seeing. Just you don't have to rush to the theater to see it. Um, if you're just looking for like a really good time at the movies, that's why I'm recommending Maybe with like, your the family. Grizzlies. Yeah, go see the Grizzlies. But, you know, for, for High Life, yeah, not as a date, not as a first date or a second or whatever date <laughs> Maybe that don't was. see it with your mom. Don't, yeah, I would say go with a really good friend who likes film or by yourself or other people who, who aren't going to judge you for taking them to this movie i would <laughs> never bring it. a first date to this movie ever that would to be, be fair, a mistake I think it was maybe the second or third date okay well but still still that's early yeah that's something you know you've been married and they know that you like Absolutely. weird movies and it's and one of you is not gonna run away later <laughs> you know so yeah so for me high life is a stream got it so there you go Right. Wow, we're um we're almost done. Four minutes. We have four minutes. So should we just jump right into the headlines? Let's go right into headlines. Give and us a headline. Try to get as many as possible. Yeah, go ahead. So America's murderers to celebrate another purge in 2020. Not a great plan. I'm done with the purge movie. We're purge purge fatigue. There's yeah. a purge television show. I think it's either on AMC or Amazon. Um, this will be the fifth Purge movie. It's coming out during an election year. They've already made an election year movie. Yeah. So the article is kind of like, well, what new territory? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the Mad Max movies at a certain point. It's done. G give us a new, go create a new horror movie for us. That's Yeah, it was purge. a very novel, interesting yeah. idea. But now that it has a television show, yeah. like, do we really need another one? No. Oh, anyways, not a great plan. Not a great plan. Um, Honey, Josh Gad is going to shrink the kids in a 30 years later sequel. Not a great plan. So sequel. So that means it's going to connect to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in some way? Yeah. So we would say um, this is a sequel. Disney is saying it's a reboot, but they've actually given it the word a legacy sequel. Legacy oh. and sequel together. They're not okay. calling it a straight sequel. It's essentially a sequel. Okay. Josh Gad is playing a grown-up version of one of the children that was okay. originally shrunk. Shrink, um, and then he shrinks his children. Nice class. And the movie is called Shrunk. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Okay. I don't think we can expect a lot from this one. <laughs> I think that if you're not going to have Rick Moranis, then don't I don't do think anything. he. Maybe he'll make like a grandpa cameo. Maybe, but he doesn't act anymore. But oh, really? Yeah, after his wife died, he he left acting to raise his kids, and oh, now okay. that they're older, he just doesn't seem to want to. No, he just is retired. He's retired. He doesn't yeah. need to. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, yeah. Um. In retrospect, it sort of seems like Game of Thrones cast was preparing us for disappointment. Not a great plan. Yeah, if you go back, I've seen so many it's montage. A video. It's, yeah, a it's a compilation. Video, yeah, of all these interviews where people were asking them, like, oh, how do you think this wrapped up? Are you satisfied? And they're like, ah, ha, ha. They're not even 
hiding. They're not trying to hide it. They, the cast is clearly, before the season even launched, was disappointed with where it went. And we're not going to give any spoilers. We're not a television show. We could have a whole podcast just dedicated we to could. Game of Thrones. Maybe we will after the fact <laughs> yeah. or something. Like after the finale, maybe we'll talk some Game but, of Thrones. But um, this is kind of last last Sunday's episode has been the worst rated episode of the whole series. Um, critical consensus as well as viewer consensus. It's it's not wrapping up well. No. So, um, yeah, that's not great. And that's the thing is, like, I think that I think it was just a, a pure miss for me. Um, there's a lot of great things that I liked about that TV series. But unfortunately for me, it was just a miss. Yeah. Um, that's it. We've run out of time. We've run out of time. And we have so many headlines. And we all we never get to these. No. And it sucks. <laughs> um, we need to do just a mailbag and headline episode where we I can agree. just do fan questions and headlines. Maybe we'll plan that in yeah. the future. Um, but that's it for, ever, for us uh, at Screening in Kingston here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go see some movies.